Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to Destination Draft Day. I'm Michael Rockman, joined by Nick Durst and Brian Salsa. Brian, we are here for a great week of college football. We're going to quickly, you know, try to get into this stuff, though, because the games are getting canceled by the second. If we don't if we don't cover these right now, then we're never going to have the chance. So, obviously, we'll talk about Thursday night football, but we're going to jump the gun a little bit, talk about games of the week, sure. and we got some good ones coming, even though it's a little bit down in terms of how they're ranked. The first game we got is Notre Dame versus Boston College. Starts at 3.30 Eastern time, so you got a little time to sleep in, got a little time to really get going, maybe have a hearty breakfast, a good lunch, and then you can turn on this game. Notre Dame obviously coming off of their big victory against Clemson. Boston College having a very strong season as well. This is going to be a great matchup. Brian, what's your analysis on this game? And give us a little bit of betting preview. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, um, the two things Notre Dame can't do is win a big game. Well, they conquered that dragon. And then other thing Notre Dame suffers from is uh, letdown game syndrome. So we've seen this before from the Irish. They play against bad teams. They play down to their competition. Um, They were 13 and a half point favorites in this game earlier in the week, and it's been pulled down to about, you know, 12. So maybe some sharp action on Boston College there. But I'll tell you, um, you know, this team finally won that big game, like we said last week against Clemson. I'm sure we'll talk about it a little bit more, but you know, maybe the floodgates open a little bit. You know, BC has played some good teams tough this year. Well, really, just one in Clemson. They they lost by six to Clemson, but um, you know, they really struggled with Syracuse last week, and um, you know, a similar effort is going to get them absolutely stomped by the Irish uh, if they play anywhere close to what they're capable of. So I'm not sure if I lay the 12 points myself, but I do expect a win from Notre Dame. They have dominated Boston College each of the last two years. So if I got to go one way on this one, it's definitely a Notre Dame minus 12, but uh, they're going to win this game, aren't they, Nick? Yeah, I mean, why wouldn't they? They, they beat Clemson. Uh, I'm just annoyed that they're not the number one ranked team because how if Alabama beat the top ranked team from number four spot, they're going to jump to number one. And Notre Dame only jumps from four to two. That's kind of annoying to me. I'm not even a Notre Dame fan. So I know that kind of pisses you off, perhaps. Uh, and I, you know, I was texting you during this game. You get annoyed at me because I was letting you know that Rutgers covered, which I, which I said they were going to cover. And 
Notre Dame, of course, covers as well, even though Michael claims Clemson would blow them out. Uh, but I didn't like that text was good luck for you, Brian. So yeah, I should start texting you every time Notre Dame's in overtime about Rutgers and anyway, good luck for Notre Dame. You got to feel pretty comfortable here moving forward here, uh, heading towards the college football playoff. Knowing your luck, Brian, though, Notre Dame is the number one team in the country and they canceled the college football playoff due to COVID-19. <laughs> I wouldn't be that surprised. Um, Michael, who are we looking at here? Uh, for players to watch, we got Zion Johnson, who's playing left tackle for Boston College at the moment. Definitely more of a guard at the NFL level and was playing guard last season. Even though the tackle play by him this season hasn't been great, this is a big opportunity for him to have a strong game. I think as a blocker, he still offers a lot. And really showcasing that versatility for a guy that will probably be a day two, day three pick is important to NFL teams to have a depth guy that comes in and can play tackle, can play guard, and can play anywhere on the offensive line. And Zion Johnson needs to prove that. And against Notre Dame, there's not really a better opportunity to do so. The other players to watch are Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, who is a hybrid linebacker safety type, 6'1", 215, but moves all over the field and can lay down a hammer of a hit. You have to love his capability. And against Boston College, a team that is going to be throwing the ball very well, the Hunter Long throwing the ball to Zay Flowers and running the ball a lot, you got to expect that JOK is going to be having a big impact on this game today. And then the next guy is Nick McLeod, the cornerback for Notre Dame. He is a senior corner who is going to be going against Zay Flowers, and I think that's very important for him to kind of have this big game that can really be stapled onto his resume. And I I definitely agree. I I ate my words. DJ uh, had a great game for a freshman. You know, good job for him, but – Notre Dame came to play, and I, I definitely underestimated what they can do. And it's going to be exciting to see what happens with these next two games with Boston College and North Carolina. All right, we'll see if Notre Dame has another COVID outbreak because obviously after the game, people are starting the field, <laughs> and that can't be safe. <laughs> yeah, so, that was ridiculous. Hopefully. They definitely were playing with fate, but apparently they have had zero cases. So even though it was definitely a little risky – it, it's okay. Everything worked out and that's for the best, even though, you know, you, you don't want to see this, the field storming and you don't want people doing that. It is good that they were able to come out of that with any, with no one having the symptoms or being diagnosed with a positive test. That's an Twitter, absolute miracle in itself. I gotta say <laughs> Twitter was fuming over it i was i was definitely a little nervous seeing that i was like what are we doing guys come on not like that at all and i will will say just really quickly that i i'd be a little bit more worried about the and we'll get to this more next week i'm sure but i'd be a little bit more worried about the tar heels about a team that we know can put up points uh than i would be about boston college but notre dame doesn't have the luxury of looking too far ahead it's one game at a time you can't slip up against the tar heels because they are you know acc I think have four of the top 15 teams in the country with obviously Clemson, Notre Dame, North Carolina, and Miami. So at the top, ACC is very top heavy, much better than a lot of the other conferences. And yeah, I, I would, you know, I think Notre Dame is going to win next week, but you cannot be surprised if North Carolina wins that game. Yeah. And I think like Brian said, the biggest thing is you can't start looking ahead. They have to focus on Boston College because this is a much better team than even last year when they had A.J. Dillon in the backfield. they got to still really take this game into effect and slow down this offense because it can put up points just as fast. 
For the next game, we got Wisconsin versus Michigan. Michigan obviously not meeting expectations to the early part of the season yet, but this is still a huge game for both teams. Wisconsin has a phenomenal first week and then has been waiting to play again due to COVID-19 outbreak on the team. And then for Michigan, they are looking to recover after a shaky two losses in a row. Brian, what do you like in this game, and what's, uh, what's your take for it? Yeah, so this is a little weird. You know, Wisconsin is up to about four, four-and-a-half-point favorites, depending on uh, on where you get your lines from. But, you know, the Badgers, obviously, like you mentioned, Michael, haven't played in a while. So from that standpoint, it's hard to know what to expect. And and when that happens, whether it's the beginning of the season, uh, a long layoff like we saw with Boise State against um, BYU last week, you know, it's it's really really tough to especially you know not only to expect these teams to win but to actually put your money on them except you know I might not know what to expect from the Badgers but I know exactly what to expect from the Wolverines and they are terrible I I you know I can't John Jim Harbaugh is going to lose his job I mean there's just I don't really see a way around it you know at this point it was probably set in stone after the Michigan State game but definitely after getting beat by three scores uh, by the Hoosiers so I mean I'll be tuning into the to the newest episode of the Graham Mertz show I think that um, Michigan will just bend a bit too much on defense to the point where they break the Badgers are going to run the ball down their throat control the clock as they do. And, you know, like I said, after what Indiana's offense did to Michigan, I mean, you can't bet on the Wolverines with any confidence. If you can find Wisconsin at minus four, I'm taking the Badgers. I'd say definitely keep an eye on that quarterback situation. Graham Mertz still in protocol is most likely going to play, but you never really know with all that's going on right now. The players to watch for this game in terms of an NFL draft aspect, Jake Ferguson, the tight end for Wisconsin, had an outstanding first week against Illinois. Seven catches, 72 yards, three touchdowns. I think he's well-rounded. He is great as a blocker, great as a receiver, and I think with more strong games, he's just going to continue to build his stock. Another player to watch is Quiddy Pay, who is getting a lot of love in the NFL draft circles that I've seen from the media as potentially being the edge one in this class. I think him and Gregory Rousseau have kind of really started to enter this little battle and Quiddy pays the only one playing right now. So if he continues to have big games, that's huge for him. And against Wisconsin's O-line, there's really not much better opportunity to showcase your ability. And then your last player to watch is Cameron McGrone the linebacker for Michigan, a speedy 6'1", 235 linebacker that will be a big part of trying to slow down the Wisconsin run and slowing down Jake Ferguson in this game. A very talented game to watch. Starts at 7.30 Eastern time, so get some dinner and get to this TV because you got to watch this game. Wisconsin, uh, they are actually back in a good spot now because I figured with them missing game a game, they're kind of disqualify them from making the college football playoff, even if they were to win the Big Ten. But you know what? Ohio State's going to miss the game now, too. So they're not going to give them that excuse. They would get them in. So look for a Big Ten championship game, perhaps, uh, between Ohio State and Wisconsin to determine who's going to be in the college football playoff. And I'd be betting on Mertz in that one. Don't sleep on uh, Indiana, Nick. They're 2-0 undefeated. Indiana's looking good too. I mean, I've, I've said it before the season. I'm on the uh, anybody but Ohio State train for the college football playoff. I got you. Yeah, it definitely seems like it's heading towards an Ohio State Wisconsin rematch in the conference championship. I, I think very... Wisconsin would be two and zero or three and zero as well if they didn't get yeah. James canceled. For but the sure, Hoosiers I look think... good. 
Yeah, they do. And it's definitely an exciting first year for their head coach and a lot of young talent on that team that could continue to build for the years coming as well. So definitely exciting time to be an Indiana fan, especially while Penn State and Michigan seem to be trending down. For our last game of the weekend to watch, we have California versus Oregon State. According to reports, this game is firm on happening. Oregon State. Oh, wait, it's Oregon versus Washington. Oregon State versus Washington, isn't it? Oh, my goodness. I accidentally messed up this graphic. I'm sorry about that, guys. Oregon State is heading games here. to Washington. They might as well play with California. <laughs> I completely apologize about that. Must have been a late-night graphic. But we're going to ignore this uh, info on here. We're going to bring us back to this. So Oregon State versus Washington. Very strong game. Some players to watch in this outing. I think you got to look at Jeremiah Jefferson, a running back for Oregon State, who is an absolute star for the offense, really has been able to create some great plays, had an outstanding true freshman year, and then a little bit down year as a sophomore, but now as a junior looks to be back on track. Definitely an outstanding opportunity for him. Another guy to watch is Hamilcar Rashad, the edge rusher for Oregon State. He produced high numbers as a sack, as an edge rusher last year. A lot of sacks, I believe, led the NCAA in sacks last season. Should be in for a nice season and is looking to recover after a zero-sack performance in the opener. We got to see how he performs against Washington, and that should be a great opportunity for him to showcase himself. And then the, the last player to watch is Keith Taylor, the cornerback for Washington, who is very long, strong, and has some great performances under his arsenal already. 6'3", 195, definitely needs to add some mass. But right now in this game, it's all about showing your instincts, showing your athleticism, and showing just how well you can perform especially in the first game of the season, a lot of eyes will be on him. Brian, what's yeah, this, is a, yeah, this is another game where, you know, you don't really know exactly what to expect from the Huskies because, you know, every other team in the Pac-12, it seems like has played, you know, except for them. But this is a major do as I say and not as I do scenario. I was on this very show last week and instructed the people not to bet on any of these Pac-12 games. What did I do? I turned around and I bet on Oregon State against Washington State. And, you know, that was hugely, hugely disappointed in the Beavers. As you mentioned, Jermar Jefferson is great. He is the MVP of the entire team, and he is super fun to watch. I think he went for about 120 yards and three touchdowns last week. It was awesome. But the problem, they can't stop anybody. They can't stop anybody on the ground. They gave up about 200 yards rushing to Washington State. It was awful. They gave up nearly 40 points at home. You know, Washington is about a 13 and a half point favorite. I've seen go up to 14 in some places. I'm fine with it. Big home win for Washington. Um, you know, I was very, you know, I'm going to have to see a little bit more for or from Oregon State to, you know, to back them in any way. Uh, you know, maybe still another, uh, maybe another week where we stay away from the Pac-12, just not knowing exactly what to expect from Washington. But if I had to pick a side, cannot go Beavers again. I'll go Huskies in their, uh, in their debut. There's no film on them. Uh, Oregon State has absolutely no idea, you know, what to expect. So, I mean, there's two ways of looking at at, at the uh, at a team making their their season debut. And yeah, that is I think, your uh, go ahead. Some solid picks there, Brian. Uh, we had some fun last week. Uh, you know, you're the betting expert here, but I got to pat myself on the back. I I said Notre Dame. I said Arizona State. I said Rutgers. I said the Giants, and I said the Jets. I said the Jets were going to cover, and boy, did they ever. Joe Flacco, 
I've got a question for Nick. How come we only give Nick credit when he gets picks right? I sat here on this show and told you that the Saints were going to crush, except I don't get a text message when they're up 31 nothing at halftime. Well, I only get text there. messages when Nick's on. picks do well. I only get texts when Nick's picks do well. When somebody else is doing well, Nick doesn't care to text you. Well, listen, Brian, who, 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 what were I text you about? Michael's, Michael's Notre Dame Clemson bet? I mean, you kind of knew that one was The going Notre on. Dame game was going to overtime, Michael. It was going to overtime, and I got a text that said, looks like Rutgers is going to cover, as if anybody in the country <laughs> cared about that, as if one other person in this country. Besides, it was, it was a big pick. Cared about if you listen to me, I had and some you friends went to bonus seekers last week. <laughs> I had some friends that were asking me about the uh, Oregon game, and I'm like, I'm not watching Oregon right now. I'm watching Clemson versus Notre Dame. I I don't know. I I'm sure they're fine. They're doing good. Yes, I I don't care right now. This is this is two versus four right now. Come on, focus in. Brian, yeah, no faith in your Jets this weekend, though. No faith in your Jets. Oh well, I told you I wasn't going to bet on them, and then I actually did that. Also, I just wasn't going to. Um, you know, I'm not here to brag like you you are. Did you bet them to cover? I did. I, uh, I I'll admit, I pulled, the, I pulled the spread up a couple of extra points. It turns out they didn't need it, but I pulled it up a couple of extra points and took the over, so it was good. Another big game for this weekend, Miami versus Virginia Tech. Weirdly enough, Virginia Tech is the favorite in this game, even though Miami is 6-1, and one, number nine team in the nation. I'm not sleeping on Virginia Tech at all. I believe they're a top 25 team, even though they lost to – the underrated Liberty team, but this is an interesting line. Brian, how are you feeling about that game and that line? Can we discuss uh, Justin Fuente getting fired uh, for calling timeout and then for basically costing his team the game, you know, because they block the kick, they take it back and then they have to re-kick Liberty and they, and they wind up, you know, winning the game. That was, you know, absolutely unbelievable. But look, you are the one who, who's on the Hendon Hooker train, right? Yeah, you are you are conducting the 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 Hendon Hooker train. He is absolutely unbelievable. Um, I think there is some value uh, on Miami here. Just they're a very good team, but you know, I actually would lay off the game because I've seen enough from Virginia Tech to know that they can put up a serious amount of points. They can really really score and they can score in bunches. Uh, I do think that if you're discouraged by a little bit from what you saw from their defense, you know. I could see Miami scoring points as well, but if I had to, if I had to go one way with this game, I'm gonna be honest with you, I'd still take the over 68. It's kind of like one of those American athletic games when Memphis plays against you know anybody, and there's gonna be like a hundred thousand points. You know, I, I I really don't see how either defense uh, makes many stops. So if there's no weather involved, you know, 68 might not even be enough. But I wouldn't sleep on Henson Hooker and the uh, Hokies either. It'll definitely be an interesting week to watch for college football. So many games getting canceled. Alabama, LSU, Ohio State, Maryland, Texas A&M, Tennessee, Georgia, Missouri, Coastal Carolina versus Troy, which is one that we were going to cover on the show. There's just so many games over the course of the season that are being canceled. It's going to have its impact on the season. And obviously less games have been canceled in the NFL, but we got to see a Great opportunity for both teams to really present themselves Thursday night football, Tennessee Titans versus Indianapolis Colts. What were your guys' takeaway from this game as the Colts come away victorious 34 to 17? Well, well I'm very efficient on, on uh, 
on plus plays under 10 yards. I think he had 28 completions on plays under 10 yards. Uh, and then he had like two over 10 yards. So, Hey, if, if it works, why not? Their running back had a great game, two touchdowns uh, in the game as well. And the Colts, their defense uh, is good. So I'm not really that surprised that, that they won the game. And now they are in first place, which is kind of where I thought they would be before the season anyway. Yes, now that we're talking about the NFL, I would like to put all jokes aside and give Nick some credit. He's done excellent picking games, especially uh, both college and NFL games. You picked a couple. Listen, man, the last like few that you've picked have been right, so I'll give you some credit there. And I wasn't surprised either. Um, you know, the article that I put on Bonus Seeker each week for Thursday Night Football, I did have on the Indianapolis Colts, and it was really just because I don't trust in the Titans' defense. I think they're complete frauds. They've uh, given up over thirty points, you know, um, on I believe five occasions now that they did it last night. I know there was a blocked punt that, uh, you know, sort of helped there, but. You know, they go down the field on the opening drive of the game, and it looks like, you know, here we go again with Tennessee just, you know, maybe steamrolling some teams. But, you know, they're not – I just – I don't have any faith in that defense. Uh, If and when Tennessee does find a way into the playoffs, whether they find a way to win that division or get into a wild card spot, they're going to give up 30 points in in wild card weekend, you know, and that's really what I'd expect. You know, I just don't uh, have any belief in them. And for the Indianapolis Colts side of things, obviously the win is fantastic, but there's got to be a little bit of excitement for rookie Michael Pittman and a little bit of disappointment in rookie Jonathan Taylor. I think a lot of people preseason, whether you're a fantasy football guy or just a guy that is analyzing how the rookies will do in the league, thought Jonathan Taylor was probably the safest bet to produce right away. You look at just how physical of a runner he's always been, and that obviously plays to his favor, and then just how strong the Indianapolis Colts offensive line has been, and you thought it was just a perfect match as he was coming from a very strong offensive line in Wisconsin. Now he's struggling in his rookie year. Naheem Hines obviously had a great week, so the snaps aren't really going to come easy for Taylor going forward, but right now, there's got to be some concerns about him. What do you guys think about Jonathan Taylor? And do you expect him to recover, bounce back, or do you think this is a sign of potentially a missed pick for the Indianapolis Colts? I'm not. I'm not ready to say that it was a bad pick or that's not going to, uh, you know, work out. I think that if you watch Jonathan Taylor and. I mean, he was dominant in college, but I think they knew that he had some ball security problems when he came into the NFL. That fumble against the Ravens last Sunday is really what did him in. He was pretty much nailed to the bench after that. You know, Frank Wright kind of made it sound like it was more about uh, just in the flow of the game, the type of offense they were trying to run, and it just worked to have Hines and, you know, you know, and but and maybe that's true, but um you know, you have to be a little concerned if you're someone like me who starts him every week in fantasy, just hoping that they're going to give him the rock 20 times. I mean, he ran over a couple guys on a couple plays, but there's no question that Naeem Hines just, he fills that Marlon Mack role so perfectly. And for them not to have Mack, and you could just sort of plug and play Hines there, he's a weapon in the short passing game. So um, if you're not going to have a two-back set and Philip Rivers is going to want to throw, you know, dump off passes and stuff, then... You know, it is going to be a little tough for Taylor to see the field, but I do think that in a playoff game, uh, maybe the weather gets cold or, you know, it's bad weather or depending on the type of defense you play, it's going to be useful to have a guy like Jonathan Taylor. I'm not ready to say that it was a missed pick just yet. He's going to be just fine. Well, while we're speaking about the Colts, Brian, next Friday, 
you got to give us a bonus seeker bonus, and you got to talk about the match three with Peyton Manning, Phil Mickelson, Seth Curry, and Charles Barkley. So be ready for that because that'll be our last show before the yeah. match three, which is the following Friday. Uh, but what what uh what football players do you think currently in the league would be good golfers? I mean, we've we've seen Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes yeah. in the pro am. So in the honor in the honor in honor of the Masters here. What what yeah. football players do you think could convert well for golf? You know, Tom Brady. Players, right? We can't Tom use players. Tom Brady and Peyton Manning and Tony Romo as those examples. Well, you, could, Romo you can use you can use Tom Brady because he's a current player, but not. Yeah, best. I mean, without seeing anybody else play, you know, I don't know. I'm not sure. How, how about Tony Romo sure being off this week? How about Tony Romo taking the week off? How lazy is he? He's getting paid seventeen million dollars a year. He gets Sunday off because Jim Nance is calling the Masters. What baloney! <laughs> hey man, they're a team, you know. He's, he's actually just being a good teammate. He refuses to call the game without anybody else. I respect it. I'm sure he wants. To I don't know how conducive is the golf swing. How conducive is the golf swing to um to to uh a uh, football to the golf swing? You know, I, I kind of think really like sure. I would think maybe I would think maybe like a kicker would be a good golfer because the would be work. a couple good kickers. I bet Rodrigo Blankenship is probably pretty pretty good <laughs> to um pretty good at golf. Perhaps. All right, Brian, tell everybody where they can go to check out some bonus seeker points here for the week. Absolutely. If anybody is looking to bet on sports and they want to sign up for a sports book, you want to get a great bonus. You want to know what each sports book has to offer. Bonusseeker.com is the place you want to be. FanDuel, DraftKings, BetMGM, all of the legal sports betting sites don't go offshore. They will eat your money, make you pay in Bitcoin, won't give you a bonus. Uh, you know, if um, recently launched in the state of Tennessee. So if you're in Tennessee, anywhere around there, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Indiana, Virginia, anywhere like that. Well, not maybe not Virginia, West Virginia, definitely. Um, you know, you can bet on sports legally. Go to bonusseeker.com and uh, get your bonus right there. All right. Thanks, Brian. Appreciate it as always. And, and enjoy the weekend. I'm sure you will. You'll be watching the Masters mostly and then maybe peek into Notre Dame and you don't have to watch the Jets this week, so I guess it's a win all around. That's automatically a win, a hundred percent, no question about it. It was nice to watch an a, watch an actual football game. The Jets played an actual football game. It didn't. It actually ended up great for everybody. The Jets, as you mentioned, Nick, they covered the spread and they kept that um that bagel in the win column alive. So, you know, it's only a Chargers. I, I have a calendar here counting down the amount of days until Adam Gase gets fired. The Jaguars are charging towards the Jets for the top pick right now. But Joe Flacco, <laughs> he did his best to try to, to try to give the Jaguars the pick, but the Jets defense was just not having it. I appreciate I, I I'm and I'm glad that and I'm glad that they weren't. But uh, no better way to end the week, guys. I look forward to next week doing it again. Take care, Brian. And as we move forward, obviously some Big performances in the NFL draft side of things, looking at some of these prospects after some introductory performances for some of these guys and just continued great play. It is time to really look into just how much these guys are rising. And one riser is Dion McIntosh, a name that no one was really talking about, had an outstanding game for Washington State in what was their season opener against Oregon State. As you heard Brian talking about earlier, Oregon State just had no hope of stopping Washington State on offense. And the reason was 
because Dion McIntosh and this offense were just completely unstoppable. 18 carries, 147 yards, one touchdown. McIntosh is 6'1", 190 pounds, so he may want to bulk up a little bit. But after a strong performance, it is hard not to be enticed by his ability and just overall his complete playmaking skill set had a huge 49-yard carry in this game that really showcased his big playability. The next guy that is rising to around the day two range, Desmond Ritter, the quarterback for Cincinnati, has plenty of physical tools, great size at 6'4", 250 pounds, and he's mobile as well. He's a playmaker. He has a very nice arm, still needs to develop himself, and that's why he's probably not seen as a day one or top pick type guy as he's still trying to game as a quarterback. But right now, looking at what he can do with the ball in his hands, it is exciting to see. And if he were to declare, I believe that a team would try to take him in and try to mold him into what they want him to be, which right now seeing what he can do so far for Cincinnati is very exciting for anyone out there. A day one riser is Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. We talked about him a little bit earlier. He is a 6'1", 215 hybrid safety linebacker, and he is just an absolute playmaker. Had a touchdown against Clemson. That was absolutely huge. And you look at just how the NFL is trending towards trying to put athletes out there that are making plays rather than trying to fill prototypes. And that's why I think JOK is going to find himself as a day one pick. It's absolutely irrefutable that he is not a playmaker. Like he is absolutely a stud. He is a great presence over the middle. He can cover, he can stop the run and he can tackle anyone when needed in open space. He is a dominant player, and whoever is smart enough to overlook this non-typical size and realize this guy is going to be a phenomenal money backer is going to get a phenomenal player, and that is what Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa is. The early top pick type guy, Christian Darasaw, the offensive tackle for Virginia Tech. I have been a huge believer in Liam Eichenberg, offensive tackle number two all year behind Penny Sewell. And I turned on this tape, and almost immediately I knew that Darisaw was going to be coming for that spot. He has all the tools you could want. He is big. He is fast. He is strong. He moves well. He gets up to the second level when needed. He pass blocks like a pro. This guy is going to be a great pick. If the NFL doesn't realize it and he falls to these later picks, all we're going to be saying to ourselves is how did these early picks miss a star left tackle like this. Darisaw is going to be an all-pro at the NFL level. Mark it down. He is a stud. So your next guy there, your big offensive lineman that you're looking to. Uh, all right, Desmond Ritter, though. I want to talk about him for a second. How much do you think this guy gets hurt by not playing for a Power 5 school? I mean, Cincinnati is is great. They're undefeated, but no one's really watching them or know, has knows about them, and do you think, you know, especially if Cincinnati could run the table here, do you think he, benefit, he would benefit by coming back for his senior season next year and, and potentially being higher? Because I know you said as of now, it looks like next year's quarterback class is a little weaker than this one. Yeah, I think he's definitely someone that should consider coming back. I think right now he hasn't really been the star piece of this offense. They hand the ball off a lot. They have him in a bit of a – limited role and as a prospect it doesn't showcase a lot so right now it's all about projection and what teams think they can do with him and when you're watching him against g5 defenses 
I'm not going to say that they just think, oh, he's not as good because he's playing someone that's worse, but he is playing a lower talent level. So the talent is a little bit harder to assess. So it, it really just is so much about projection. So if he comes back and is kind of the star of the Cincinnati offense next year, really gets the ball in his hands more, throws downfield more, showcases his arm, showcases growth as a quarterback, he could easily be an early pick and someone that we kind of start to see as a cemented QB one in the system. And I'm not saying that he's guaranteed to have that chance, but you look at all these guys that have come back and kind of return, even though they maybe could have went and been a day three pick and Joe Burrow, Baker Mayfield, guys like that. And they stayed, had that extra year development and it did wonders for them. I don't think that we would see Joe Burrow and Baker Mayfield thriving in the NFL if they declared a year early and they were viewed as a day three quarterback. And it's kind of sad to say that because obviously they're starters right now. And if they were able to unlock that, why wouldn't they be able to become that in the NFL? But it's just a lot of these teams, whenever they bring them in, they have a set role in mind for them. So when you're drafting a QB on day three, especially when they're kind of undeveloped, you're saying, okay, we'll see what they can do, but right now we're focused on our starter, and that's the most important thing. Right. So to a lesser really just... degree, even with Justin Herbert, he went back for a senior year. He was probably going to be a first-round pick anyway, though, but ends up going to the top ten, and he looks like that extra year really benefited him greatly with his skill level. 100%. And, you know, having that growth and that chance to really develop your game when you're focused as the star piece can be really huge, especially – compared to when you're going to the NFL and they're saying, oh, we want to really make sure our first round picks a stud and we'll spend time with this guy, but he's not really our, our like has to hit type player. And it's just how the NFL works. So definitely if he thinks that he can unlock more at Cincinnati and accomplish more with potentially a big year being a chance to get them into playoffs or at least a major bowl game, I don't see why he wouldn't take that opportunity because they're building something special in Cincinnati. Uh, and then, you know, just with the quarterback position here, I was hearing some chatter here that Trey Lance, his stock has taken a hit. He's not playing, obviously. Then I'm also saying, oh, maybe the Patriots are interested in getting him. Do you think that if there is no NFL combine and there is no senior day, that Lance could fall out of the first round just because no one's able to see him for a whole year? I don't see it. I think right now what we're hearing is a lot of, kind of fan speak on how they're interpreting the season. A lot of these NFL GMs have evaluated as much as they can of Trey Lance, and they're probably sitting firm on where he is for them in terms of assessing his talent. You look at his skill set, and he just offers so much as a runner, passer. He has so much arm strength. He can make big plays, whether it's on the ground or in the air. And really, it's just about trying to develop him to those – last few levels that you really need him to grow to try to make him more consistent in the passing game. But right now I think it's just, we're seeing these guys like Kyle Trask, Mac Jones, Zach Wilson, put up these insane performances. And we're saying, well, we're not seeing that from Trey Lance because he's not playing. And the one game we got to see, which isn't really a fair assessment. It's more just kind of like a showcase of his overall skill set, but he didn't do great, and so now it's just kind of fans saying, well, not sure that we can really trust Lance, but I think it's just prospect fatigue at this point. We've heard this guy touted as a first-rounder for first rounder for probably like five months now. I'm not sure, six months, whatever, and it just kind of leaves people saying, oh, well, 
let's nitpick his game. He hasn't grown to what we want to see because we haven't gotten to see him play. And I think that's important to keep an eye on. You look at all these project quarterbacks. Like Herbert last year was a project quarterback, and we're seeing what you can really do when you allow these guys to kind of be unleashed, and they kind of let him be a free-reign type QB, let him air it out a little bit, and he's having a phenomenal season. Now, is everyone going to produce like Justin Herbert is? No, but I think seeing what Josh Allen has become, seeing what Justin Herbert has become, it's just kind of showcasing that if a guy has the skill set and the tools, they're going to be viewed a lot higher in NFL circles. And we've seen it at QB and multiple other positions too. Certainly lots to keep an eye on there. And it's going to be interesting to see if there is a combine this year because uh, you know, with a lot of schools' games getting canceled, I think this is a year more so than ever that they need to have some sort of combine. Maybe they have an extended combine where they say, okay, these three days we're just going to do offensive linemen, and the next three days are just defensive linemen. So it could be like a two-week thing. Um, yeah. But I think they need to try to figure something out here because uh, there's going to be a lot of talent falling through uh, here, and especially into the later rounds. Uh, you know, there could be some really talented guys in the sixth or seventh round that under normal circumstances could at least be like a three third to fifth round pick. Uh, but you know, that's, that's what we got draft Rogers for was one of the best segments here. Uh, you know, you, you mentioned and draft Rogers a few weeks ago, Wilson, and he's just been phenomenal with, uh, with BYU. So, Obviously, everybody knows Michael knows what he's talking about because Wilson, he's he's trending towards definitely a day one guy. And, you know, he could he could some people say he could potentially go up to as high as QB two. You think that's a possibility? It's certainly a possibility. He has some very nice arm talent and he has some great plays that go along with it. I think right now. My biggest takeaway when watching him is. He reminds me a lot of Johnny Manziel, and I'm not saying that in the sense like, oh, he's going to bust like Manziel did, but he he's a big playmaker in that regard. He scrambles around a lot. He works his arm angles. He makes plays downfield. He he has a lot of balls that are kind of just toss-up. Hospital balls is what they're kind of referred to as is what I've seen, where it's just kind of those 50-50 catches, and it relies on the receiver to make a big play on it, and that's an issue, but at the same time, he's had some plays where he's rolling to his right, makes a dart of a throw and hits the tight end running up the seam. And it's phenomenal. So there's a lot of great things. There's some things that you have to question about his transition to the NFL level. He turns his back to the offensive line sometimes when he's trying to roll around and make some plays, which can blow up and have some really ugly plays at times if it doesn't pan out in the NFL. So there's definitely uh, both pros and cons to his game. There's going to be a lot of questions about what translates and what doesn't, but he's putting together a great case. I think he's likely going to be the Heisman Trophy winner. Uh, obviously, Fields is going to miss the game this weekend. There's no game there. Uh, but, you know, you mentioned on a pre-show, he goes to BYU. So there's a strong chance he's going to be back at BYU next year for his, his senior season. Uh, and if he wins the Heisman, then he's going to be going into next season as the top QB, most likely, in the draft. But something to keep an eye on. And there's there's a lot of teams who are right now in the NFL that potentially you know think they need to at some point move on from a QB. Uh, you know, could maybe talk, maybe the Giants, maybe the Falcons, but if they're not at the really top of the draft this year, maybe they 
they decide, okay, we'll stick with our quarterback here. And that could be an option for the following season. But any, any games that really stand out to you this weekend in the NFL that you're looking at as far as a draft uh, perspective, something that could really impact the draft order? Uh, well, I think the clearest one has to be Eagles versus Giants right now. The winner could really kind of put themselves in the front seat to ride out and win the NFC East. The Giants obviously played them very close last time they met. Now an afternoon game with the Giants getting a little more better each week. I think this is going to be a very important game for really kind of figuring out if the Giants are going to be all in on Daniel Jones or not. Yes, I believe they will be, but even if they were to ride with Daniel Jones, losing this game would probably put them in a prime spot to be picking in the top five. So this is a big moment for both teams. Whichever team can kind of get to five, six wins probably wins the division, and this is this is an opportunity to really take a big step towards that goal. Daniel Jones, five career wins, four against Washington. So – that tells you that they're probably going to lose this game. Uh, they win last week because Jones doesn't turn the ball over for the first time this season. What a surprise. Don't turn the ball over. You win the game. Eagles were all over Jones last time. Giants definitely should have won that game. But the Giants haven't beat the Eagles in years. So as much as I want the Giants to win this game and then still be behind the Eagles for first place because the Eagles have that tie, keep that in mind. Uh, I, I don't see it happening just with, with the recent history of Daniel Jones and, and the way the Eagles are always beating on the Giants. Yeah, and it's going to be a big game for Carson Wentz as well, really trying to bounce back from what has been a bit of a shaky season to this part. Yeah, this is, another... this is the biggest game of the week as far as implications are concerned. Playoffs or top five pick, I think, I think you're riding the money there all around. For sure. And another big game, while it doesn't have as much impact on the draft order, is going to be Chargers versus Dolphins. Dolphins have a few COVID cases on defense that will hurt their overall performance, but this is a great opportunity for both Tua and Justin Herbert to have a kind of showcase against each other. Yes, this doesn't really matter much in the grand scheme of things, but it's always fun to see a rookie quarterback battle. Dolphins are going for a playoff spot, so it's a big game for them. Uh, My projection is – Justin Herbert finds himself on Rockwin's Rookies of the Week on Monday. I think he's going to have a, a big, big day against the Dolphins. Always seems like a safe bet. I think a little bit of a hot take here. I think that the Chargers win this one in a bit of a surprise performance. I think the Dolphins have a bit of an easy schedule after this. So after they lose this game, they'll probably go win three straight against the Broncos, Jets, and Bengals. But I think in this outing, Herbert gets the best of them. They're able to win a close game, which is Anthony Lynn's kryptonite. But the Chargers escape with a victory, an upset performance, and then the Dolphins kind of bounce back after that. But right now, I'm I'm feeling Herbert, and I think his his overall ability to just create plays downfield, create plays on the ground, and really just open up the offense is absolutely huge. And I'm excited to see this game for sure. Yeah, no doubt about it. I, I think the Chargers are due for a win. I mean, they they should have won at least four more games this season, and you know that's that that tells you about a lot about how football is really such a fifty fifty game. One little thing could could impact your record so greatly. Uh, but Herbert's been phenomenal. Uh, a game that I think is going to be a really good game is the Cardinals, who tough luck on Sunday. They don't win the game. That would have put them in first place with the Seahawks losing, taking on the Bills, who the Seahawks absolutely destroyed last week. 
Josh Allen looked back to September, Josh Allen, MVP like Josh Allen against the Seahawks. So this is going to be a really good game, again, with two really good quarterbacks, Kyler Murray and Josh Allen, Michael. Yeah, and it should be a really just exciting in terms of current NFL standing and also just exciting because these are two young QBs that are going to be a big part of the NFL's future. You look at how explosive both offenses are, how strong both defenses are looking to be. And it's just really, I think right now, I, I'm probably more more competent, more comfortable, I mean, betting on the Cardinals. But I think in terms of this game, it should be an absolutely phenomenal game. It probably isn't the Super Bowl preview, but it could be because these teams are both uh, very capable of having big games week in, week out. Uh, what I think would probably be the worst game of the week is the Washington football team taking on the Detroit Lions. This is a, this is a battle of two top 10 picks right here. Wh- what needs do these two teams have moving forward? I guess Washington is definitely quarterback. Uh, but what if the Lions are going to be picking in the top 10, do they perhaps pick a quarterback and let them sit behind Stafford moving forward? Lions are in a very interesting situation because it seems as though they're letting Kenny Galladay walk to the open market, or maybe they'll franchise tag him, but it seems they're going to be losing Marvin Jones as well. So they could very easily go wide receiver, whether that's Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell, or someone else that they love. Who knows? But it's just definitely something that is going to be the case is that wide receiver is a need. Defensive line, both at the edge and defensive tackle spots, are a need. Linebacker is still a big need for them. Really just all around the field, there's so many holes in this roster. And then you also weigh in the fact of, should we go quarterback and trade off Matthew Stafford, try to get our future kind of rolling right now? And that's also very much a possibility. For Washington, you look at their team, and QB's a big need. Left tackle is a huge need. Drawn Christian has been the one of the worst offense tackles this season. Uh, they could also use help on the inside of their offensive line. They need another wide receiver to go along with Terry McLaurin. They need a tight end. They need cornerbacks. They need safeties. They need <laughs> linebackers. There's really, besides defensive line and like right guard, as long as Sheriff doesn't walk and, you know, they have Terry McLaurin and Antonio Gibson, but there's still just so many holes in both these rosters that it's going to be not a lot of great football happening this Sunday over at uh, FedEx Field or Ford Field. Sorry. Now, a big game for the Dolphins this weekend is the Texans versus the Browns because Dolphins really want that first-round pick for the Texans to be as high as possible. Texans coming off a win. Browns coming off a bye, but a big loss uh, the week before where they had no Odell Beckham Jr. for the full game. Everyone was like, oh, see, they're going to be better without Odell. No, they they get beaten, and this is going to be – Telling game here for for Brown the Browns and their franchise for the rest of the season. I think this game's a lot closer than people realize. I think the spread kind of indicates that as well as this negative three for the Browns, which a team that's five and three versus a team that's two and six, you kind of expect that spread to be a little bit bigger. But right now, you look at just how talented this Texans team can be when they have Deshaun Watson lining up at QB, when you have weapons like Will Fuller and Brandon Cooks. The offense can obviously go off any day. And then you look at the Browns team and there's just so many capabilities of great play, but this defense hasn't really met expectations. And the offense last week put up six points against the Raiders defense that has been kind of struggling all year. 
So there's just so many questions for both these teams, but one team is trying to still fight for a playoff spot and we'll see what happens, but it's not looking good for them. Yeah, this is a game where I could definitely see the Texans winning. Uh, didn't like what I saw with the Browns versus the, Ra- versus the, uh, the Raiders when they lost 16-6. to six, So, uh, But we'll see. A week off, that, that kind of came at the perfect time for the Browns. Uh, you know, other game it is that's important for the draft is the Packers and the Jaguars. Jaguars, you know, they've been competitive, but uh, if the Packers, you know, win this one, uh, the Jaguars are going to stay close there with the Jets for the top pick and Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting to see how Jake Luton looks if he is the starter. I'm not sure if they're going with Minshew or Luton for this game. I would assume Luton's going to be taking the starting spot. But really, if Luton comes out and has a strong game against a talented Packers defense, and let's say they win, so now they're back even a little bit further, do the Jags start saying, is this our guy next year? Are we going to go with him? And yeah, you may be saying as Jags said, we're not doing this again. I don't care if he looks good as a six-round rookie. No, but if he has a great game, it's definitely in the cards and it's a possibility. Uh, maybe the Jaguars bring in a veteran in free agency to kind of make them battle it out or whatever, but you never know, and QBs can come from anywhere. If Jake Luton looks good, you can't say, oh, no, because Minshew ended up not being too great for us. You got to just kind of say, okay, I mean, we'll see what happens, and he may he may win you out of a spot, so – Easy on the Luton lunacy if you're really trying to fail for fields. I liked I liked Luton, how Luton looked last week. So that was a strong performance. Uh, Jaguars just great at picking sixth-round quarterbacks and, and having them be successful in the league. Uh, now the game that is going to have major seeding implications for the playoffs, Seahawks going to take on the Rams in L.A. Seahawks coming off a loss. Pete Carroll has got his big contract extension, but that didn't help him out too much on Sunday. Rams, I think you know they are. They're looking to to make it make a statement this week that hey, we are still what we were two years ago. We're one of the best teams in the NFL. And I think this is a game where the Rams' defense plays major dividends, and their offense is going to be able to score. I think because the Seahawks' defense is atrocious. Yeah, it's going to come down to Jared Goff having a big outing for this offense. You got to be able to pass on this struggling Seahawks secondary. I think we're going to see the Seahawks kind of bounce back after getting carved up as badly as they did by Josh Allen. So I expect the Seahawks to win right now. It seems as though this NFC playoff picture has kind of become cleared up with the bears kind of trending down the 49ers kind of trending down. Now the biggest threat to really come for that seven spot, I think maybe the Minnesota Vikings at three and five right now really has turned it around and they look like a phenomenal team again. And you know, the Rams lose this game. They fall to five and four. They have the tiebreaker over the Bears, so they stay in that seventh spot. But the, I think the biggest thing is just trying to prove yourself against a good team, which they haven't really done this year. Besides, you know, maybe that Bears win. I mean, their wins come against the Cowboys, the Eagles, the Giants, the Washington Football Team, and the Bears. So they haven't had that really signature performance, and they need to have one. And whether it's against the Seahawks or against the Bucks next week or, you know, later on against the Cardinals or something, there there just needs to be that moment where you say, okay, this team is legit. Because right now we haven't seen them have a great performance against a good team besides the Bears, which has been kind of ugly as of late for what we've seen from the Bears as well. 
No doubt about it. You know, the Bears taking on the Vikings Monday Night Football. Uh, we'll get into that on Monday's show. But, you know, just two more games here to kind of close it out. Uh, let's let's go with the, the 49ers and the Saints. Uh, Saints coming off a tremendous win, the biggest win of the season. Clearly the best team in the NFC right now. 49ers are so banged up. And, you know, this is just going to be another instance where the, the Saints just – easily cruise to victory here. Now their offense is at full strength and they're going to, they're going to start pulling away from the field here for the number one seed. And I think right now you have to ask yourself, are the saints the best team in the NFL? And yes, there's the undefeated Steelers and the one loss chiefs, but this is really the first week that we've seen the saints be fully healthy and they just look phenomenal, both defensively and offensively. They were making plays. There's not really a, weakness on this roster there's some spots that maybe you know when i'm doing a mock draft i can say okay they'll probably try to change up that position but right now with how their current roster is set up there's not really much that you can question about this team and now that they're fully healthy they have michael thomas back alvin Kamara is cooking like he is emmanuel sanders is back they have this defense rolling it's it's hard to make a case against the saints as the best team right now in the nfl Certainly, no doubt about it. And last game we'll talk about here, your Patriots back in prime time again, taking on the Ravens. Lamar Jackson saying this week, oh, the defense is no – they know what the plays are, are happening before I even do them. Well, I mean, if they're just going to guess, oh, Lamar – watch Lamar on the run, it's a pretty good – it's a pretty good chance that that could be – that could be a potential play there. Yeah, and, you know, after seeing the Patriots struggle with the Jets, you, you have a hunch that this game is going to get a little ugly. Just hoping that the Patriots kind of show some competitiveness. Maybe this win against the Jets gives them some mojo to really bounce back from. I'm really hoping that they kind of keep exploring what they have in Jacoby Myers. I think he's proved himself to be a very good receiver so far. Probably our best weapon at the moment. Hopefully Nikhil Harry is cleared to play and we can kind of see both these young receivers get a lot of snaps. The defensive side of things, you just got to find a way to stop the run. That's been a huge struggle for them. Probably expect J.K. Dobbins to have a great game against us. Expect Lamar to have an, a nice performance in Sunday night. It's it's hard to see just because as a football fan, first and foremost, you'd expect a great coach like Bill to really – have these kind of things always taken care of because he's Bill Belichick. But right now there just seems to be so many issues that haven't been able to be answered for. So yes, Bill's a great coach. It's not just all Brady or whatever. Like a lot of people are trying to make it out to be. I think both sides are extreme pieces to what success they had. But right now this Patriots team just isn't what we've been used to for the past 20 years. Yeah. I think, uh, Still plenty of time left in the season, though, so we'll have to, you know, just wait and see before we, you know, dig dig the grave of the Patriots. Uh, we actually have a question here, Michael, so we can uh, finish with this. I'll let you answer this one from Tony Paradis. How good do you think two ends up playing this season? So the first game, really not that good. His second game against the Cardinals, he did play well. So what, I guess how do you see him finishing out the season? I think he's in for a very nice opportunity. You look at the schedule – against the Chargers, against the Broncos that are banged up, against the Jets, against the Bengals, against the Chiefs, which aren't really known for their defensive prowess, against the Patriots, which have been injured, maybe maybe a hard performance there, but still not too bad in terms of relying on the run, and then Raiders and Bills. 
he has a favorable schedule, not too many terrible performances in terms of strength. But the biggest thing for him is just trying to get settled in and trying to become more consistent. Like we saw in that Arizona game, he started to really get a little bit more comfortable in the pocket, start to make nice plays. His accuracy has always been his strongest thing, whether it was throwing downfield, throwing in the short game, he was able to put the ball on the money. So whenever he had that first game against the Rams and he's missing throws that he kind of has always been able to make, it was kind of questionable as to why he was doing that. But now against the Cardinals, he kind of settled in, had that chance, and has really developed a sense of comfort in that pocket and has made this – Dolphins offense kind of roll. So I think he's going to be in for a very strong season. I think it's so exciting to see all three of these young rookie quarterbacks have what looks to be a promising first year. And hopefully Tua continues that. And like I said, with the matchups that he's going against and just the uh, overall growth we've already seen from his first game to his second, I'm excited to see what he's going to do. And I think it's going to be a very strong season for him. And unfortunately, you won't be seeing his brother this weekend because, again, Maryland, Ohio State is canceled with a lot out of the game. So we'll see how, as you know, from our first show, we talk about how's COVID-19 going to impact the draft and the college football season. And unfortunately, it's ruining its ugly head again. But, you know, it's a long journey, but the destination is still draft day. And we will certainly get you there. And it's been another another great week of football talk here on Destination Draft Day, Michael. Yep, and we thank you guys in the comment section for asking questions. We thank all our viewers. We thank Brian for coming on to the show every week, giving us some great content to talk about. And, Nick, thank you so much for all the help that you do with the show as well. We will see you guys on Monday. Take care. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.